Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, this is Sarah Faulkner from Lemmings and Spa, and you're listening to the absolute treat that is the Tennis Podcast. Sarah Faulkner and apparently in my second take I'm not sounding like Alan Partridge so that's already uh, a success because apparently the first time I reacted to that uh, opening I did. Uh, Catherine Whitaker has informed me of that fact. <laughs> She's in the bubble at the O2. Hello Catherine. Hello David. I've saved you from yourself or I thought I had <laughs> until you you mentioned the saving that I did. Well, you know, me and, Al- me and Alan, kindred spirits. Um, <laughs> how are you doing, Matt? You all right? Fine, thank you, David. Good, good. Illuminated by his new light. We've all got new lights except Catherine uh, to make us look better on Zoom. And, uh, yeah, we're here to preview the ATB finals, talk about what's gone on at the pre-tournament press conferences. We've heard more from Alexander Zverev, so we'll be talking about that uh, further to what we were discussing in Monday's show but before we get into any of that, we've really got to find out what's it like in the bubble. Because the only person we know that knows is Catherine. And Catherine, you're in there. What's it been like? I mean, it's a lot like just sort of the inside of a hotel room. Um, very, very uneventful. Um, but I had my first COVID-19 test this morning. That was all very efficient. The actual test itself was unpleasant, as I'd been warned to expect, but not in any dramatic way. Uh, I I tested negative, by the way, and and felt a weird sense of sort of accomplishment. I sent around the the screen grab (laughs) of my notification that I tested negative. And I've got such a, a wide variety of responses from sort of congratulations to, oh, (laughs) <laughs> and just sort of well done and I, I don't know what I was expecting but I enjoyed the congratulations very much I did feel like I'd accomplished something um, so that was this morning I got the results at about 1pm uh, um, but I was sort of already hunkered down in my hotel room by then I, I'd sort of expected to be quarantining all day so I thought I'd just persevere with it really and here I am at uh, eight PM, still in my pajamas. Mm. Um, how, many, how many meals have you eaten? <laughs> I've had two room service meals, and a third one is on the way. So apologies in advance for the uh, expected interruption. I'd say probably the most eerie and dystopian element of the last twenty-four hours was actually my drive across London to get into the bubble. Um, it, which uh, ways took me right through central London. Um, and although the the traffic sort of in the suburb, the traffic sort of locally in, in Putney was really, really bad. Once I got into central London, driving through Parliament Square in particular and Victoria Embankment was eerily quiet. Um, and, you know, I, I was driving past sort of places where I'd had experiences sort of nine months ago or a year ago, drove past um, a hall in Westminster where my dad and I went to a a feminist 
talk in February and drove past a restaurant where I went to a friend's uh, birthday uh, in January. And it was, I don't know, I found that really, really spooky and and sad. It was like sort of the ghosts of a former life, hopefully a a former life that will again become my life. Um, But there was something quite haunting about that, beautiful as well. It was, yeah, it was quite beautiful sort of driving past the Tower of London and everything. Um, But then I got lost trying to find the Intercontinental Hotel uh, uh, in Greenwich and uh, ended up ended up sort of at the Intercontinental Hotel, but frustratingly behind a sort of wire fence. I could see it. I could see the car park. I could see the barrier. Oh, that's my room service. Hang on. <laughs> oh, she, she's ordered two beers. I know that, Matt. I mean, in fact, she was only supposed to be ordering two beers or one beer. And then uh, suddenly a salad was added to the order. And yes, yeah, so a salad with prawns, I think, if I remember correctly. Oh, lovely. I mean, you know, she's having the time of her life on this uh, isolation day. Yes, she she did describe it as mandatory napping earlier, which I thought was a wonderful description. She was also complaining about various times of various press conferences because they were getting in the way of (laughs) pre-scheduled naps. Um, But, you know, we can say all this because she's not on the mic right now, you see. Um, And, uh, you know, by the time this is up, she won't know. We've done it, so we'll we'll be all right. Um, it is one of those funny places, though, the O2, isn't it, Matt? Because, I mean, the number of times we've been trying to find our way out mm. at late at night because they've closed off various exits. And then suddenly, as Catherine says, there's a wire fence up. And the bit that you're trying to get to, you can see it. You just can't get there. Mm. I lose all sense of where I am in the O2 and how to get places because it's just a circle everything's everything feels both very close and very far away it's very confusing well i think Mm. uh, i've not actually been on site i've returned by the way i've been delivered the world's most enormous beer Um, that's you ordered two beers (laughs) there's four beers in that in that one bottle worthington's white shield from burton upon trent thank you very much right um yeah, I think that effect, Matt, although I haven't actually been on site yet, is exacerbated this year because my uh, my opening experience of arriving in the lobby once I finally did uh, get on the other side of the fence, um, arrived in the lobby and there was a, a bereft looking Deliveroo driver there who was having some trouble linking up with his uh, customer and eventually said no no I I can't go anyway eventually put his customer on speed dial and it sounded very much like Diego Schwartzman to me and the (laughs) the issue was uh, that the delivery driver was only allowed to go into the lobby couldn't deliver up to the rooms but the Tennis players are in a portion of the hotel for for people in bubble number one. I'm in bubble number two, so I'm allowed in the lobby. But people in bubble number one aren't allowed to go to the lobby. Their access to the O2 Arena is via some route that doesn't involve the lobby. So the delivery driver was saying, you've got to come down to meet me and get the food. And, and Diego Schwartzman or a really good Diego Schwartzman impersonator was saying, but I'm not allowed in the lobby. I can't do that. Um, and I really missed the opportunity to do the decent thing and just offer to to take the food off their hands. Um, I was distracted with other things at the time. So she's ordered her, her own three-pint bottle of beer instead. I don't know um, how to tackle it. Mm. No, I'm sure you'll find a way. Um, so... So that happened, and the reason Catherine is in the bubble is because she's presenting live television coverage in the UK here for Amazon Prime Video, which is the main um, rights holder for the ATP and WTA tours. So Catherine's coverage will start on Sunday. It'll be rehearsals tomorrow, Catherine. Mm. And we're all a bit relieved that you got to this point because about three days ago, Matt and I received a message from you which said something bad has happened. And I was right, wasn't I? Something bad had happened. Yes. What what did you think when you read that message? Well, I mean... What were you expecting? It it could have been a number of things, to be quite honest, (laughs) given the years of history that we've had together. (laughs) Um, And uh, I did assume it had been some sort of accident because, um, you know, that that wasn't too far-fetched for me. 
Yeah. It was an accident involving pistachio nuts. <laughs> yeah. And I think my pistachio nut eating days might be over, which is a very sad thing to have to say. Yes. But um, yes, to put you out of your misery, I uh, know you're on the edge of your seats. Uh, I have a cap on my front tooth and have done since I was seven years old, thanks to my childhood best friend, Ruth Noble, who I'm certain isn't listening. But if you are, hello, Ruth. Um, what did she do? <laughs> she uh, smashed me in the face with her lunchbox at school when we were seven. Not on purpose, I should say. Phew. Oh, uh, you had um, a different relationship with your best friend than I had with mine. <laughs> I mean, she said it wasn't on purpose. What, were, uh, your, were your experiences deliberate then, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> no, no just, Matt only just had no, nice friends. Yeah, no, no teeth were broken in in my friendships. Nor right. should they be. No. Nor should they be, Matt. No. It was a, a regrettable in- incident that has haunted me to this day. Uh, and the the caps usually last well well any anywhere between sort of six months and 10 years and this one had lasted about 10 years and I've been vaguely aware of it in the back of my mind for the last few years knowing that it was probably on its last legs and hoping that it wouldn't come off at an inopportune time such as three days before having to make live uh, television and of course uh, that is precisely what happened so um, yeah, I descended into a massive spiral of panic. <laughs> <laughs> and, Which is what you always do, isn't it? Well, everybody does in a, in a situation Between like this. myself and David, we called every dentist in Putney, uh, or in the southwest London area, really. And of course, magical David Law got me in at the Putney Dental Emporium, an emporium, no less, <laughs> yeah. at 10am the next day. Uh, and uh, they fixed it all for me. And they it was so obvious that I was a uh, prepared to say yes to anything. I was that grateful to be sitting in the chair customer that they managed to upsell me uh, an X-ray and a, uh, a mouth guard because <laughs> apparently I'm a grinder. So... <laughs> So that was that's 600 quid I'm never seeing again. But I no longer look like um, one of the meth addicts from Tiger King. So swings and roundabouts. And uh, we do have photographic evidence. So uh, you'll be seeing that on our Instagram channel later. Um, but uh, anyway. Yeah, d- David... David waited about 12 hours before saying, this is, this is great content. 12 minutes, I think. <laughs> I did. I couched it though. Yes, said, you did. And you, if this works out all right, it. can we use that picture? <laughs> <laughs> it's not one of my best pictures, folks. No. But anyway, um, all's well that ends well, and Catherine's mm. ready for live television at the O2 Arena starting on Sunday. Phew. Yes, I, I am. So, I'm slightly worried about the next part of your face, which is going to come under fire in 2020. <laughs> we've had eyes, we've had mouth. Yes. Mm. Oh gosh. No, Sorry. No, Matt. We've, that's it now. All right. Stop it. I've already broken. My, I broke my nose when I was uh, seven as well. In in um, is it the same incident? In gym, gym class at school. PE is it class. The same girl or. No. no, I did. I did that to myself. I just hit it on a on a bench. So, anyway, and I wasn't around to help that. Quite an accident so. prone child and yeah. adult. Yep. Oh, moving <laughs> on. <laughs> um, so that's how Catherine has got to where she is, and hopefully, a good week is in store. We are going to be. Um, recording podcasts after play every day is the intention, although we'll see how Catherine's feeling after the, after having done 12 hours of live TV presentation. I'm sure she'll be delighted to speak to us for another half an hour after that. Um, so that's the intention. Today, uh, in the last 24 hours, isn't it, they, they've done the official draw, uh, which we'll come on to in a little while. They've done the order of play. So we'll go through the draws, we'll go through the order of play and talk about all that. Um, but today was media day at the O2. Now, ordinarily, this would be when all of us convene on site and we attend in person press conferences and all the players do one-to-one interviews. All of this has like the rest of the year, certainly since March, happened uh, virtually on Zoom. And so we've all been um, calling in from our various makeshift 
studios, our offices, our bedrooms, all sorts of places around the world. Um, and all the eight players have spoken. Now, given the most recent edition of the podcast featured and concentrated on the allegations of domestic abuse against uh, Alexander Zverev by his ex-girlfriend Olya Sharipova, which I believe is what uh, we should have been calling her, and we, you know, it's it's one of those that uh, that I'm just about trying to get uh, to grips with. Um, Alexander Zverev came into his press conference today, and he was asked by Simon Briggs of the Telegraph if he was concerned that his reputation was tarnished or was going to be tarnished by the allegations that have been made against him by his former girlfriend. Now, at this point, Zverev, I think, had got his phone resting on his knee and he sort of, he addressed Simon and looked down at the camera intermittently as well. And he said, we're all here to play tennis. I'm looking forward to playing but in the last few days, the focus has shifted to the off-court stuff. Many people ask me why I kept my mouth shut and didn't say anything. While I very much regret that these accusations are made, I have to stick to my initial thing of them being untrue and continue to deny them. These accusations are just unfound, untrue. How the relationship is described is not how it was. It is not who I am. It is not how I was raised by my parents. It is simply not who I am as a person. It makes me sad what impact such accusations can have on the sport and on myself as well. I truly apologise that the focus has shifted away from the sport. We all love tennis and that's why we are here. I'm looking forward to playing in London for the first time. As I've said, I have to keep denying them as they are unfounded and untrue. That's what Zverev said. And, and as I said, he he was clearly ready for a question because he had got his phone on his knee. We kept seeing him look down for quite long periods of the time that he answered that question. And, uh, and we were, we were discussing amongst ourselves, you know, is, is he, is he just reading a statement there? And, and that's how it kind of felt and came across. Um, Afterwards, we watched the the footage back that uh, was posted on the service that the uh, the ATP provide for us here, and and there were actual side cameras shooting his phone, uh, the picture of him looking down at his phone, and it was very clear that that's that is what he was doing, and uh, and he'd gone in with a prepared statement. Now, you may recall in Monday's show one of the, one of the th- I think the most powerful contributions I thought was was. Matt's description of how there is a lack of anybody who's condemning violence in general and domestic abuse in general, not related to the specific case uh, or to the truth or lack of truth of these allegations, but just generally, either from Zverev or, and no reaction at all, from the ATP to that point. Now, in the last couple of hours, we have received a statement from the ATP, which reads thus, ATP Statement on Domestic Violence and Abuse. The ATP fully condemns any form of violence or abuse. We expect all members of the tour to do the same and to refrain from any conduct that is violent, abusive or puts puts others at risk. In circumstances where allegations of violence or abuse are made against any member of the tour, legal authorities investigate and due process is applied. We then review the outcome and decide the appropriate course of action. Otherwise, we are unable to comment further on specific allegations. So, Catherine, that's what Zverev has said today. That's what the ATP have said today. What uh, what are your... What's your reaction to, to what we've heard today? Oh, well, tremendous relief that there is a statement from the ATP, um, even though it it doesn't say an awful lot or move things on an awful lot in terms of uh, their own investigation or anything. Just that recognition is is so significant, and the condemnation of of domestic violence, as as Matt said so powerfully, their voice matters. Uh, on these things um and and as i was saying about about the believe women 
um, movement. For me, that's listen to women, don't dismiss women, don't ignore women. Um, and and the lack of any any statement felt dismissive and ignoring. So I'm very I'm very pleased that that statement exists. Um, the the second portion of it is essentially saying, unless there are official criminal proceedings, we can't do anything ourselves. Now that is the case because as we've discussed, and as John Worth I'm in in his uh, in his pieces has discussed at length. An ATP protocol doesn't exist um, for domestic violence like it does with other sports. Um, uh, nothing's changed since we discussed that in depth on Monday. Um, that it ought to exist, um, and I and I would just say that there certainly is precedent for the ATP investigating independently non-criminal activities. You know. They are conducting an investigation into Sam Querrey's absconsion, is that a word, uh, from from Russia, aren't they? They are. They have investigated Nick Kyrgios's, albeit on-court behaviour, but also some of his off-court behaviour, some of the things he said in press and so on. So there is precedent for them to take action and to investigate non-criminal allegations and non criminal suspected behavior so that doesn't that doesn't quite um sort of logically hang together for for me but i'm very pleased that 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 statement exists yeah um we also received um over the course of the last few days a lot of response to the show that we we put out on monday and and we would expected that and uh, all, all manner of different views came over um one which I did want to just briefly address here is a comment from a listener, Odin FK, who wrote to me and said, I found it a bit weird that you didn't take into account that Zverev's, Zverev's legal counsel has very likely told him to not ever say anything more than I didn't do it. Doesn't make his denial less clumsy at all, but it belongs in the picture, I think. Now, obviously today he has said some more. Um, he still hasn't specifically done what the ATP have said uh, in very clear language here that we expect all members of the tour to condemn any form of violence or abuse, but he has said certainly more than he did to this point. One of the things I wanted to know is whether legally he would be compromising himself in any way if he were to say much more and so what i did is i went and dropped a note to a sports lawyer that i know jamie singer from onside law who's one of the leading sports lawyers in the uk and just asked his view on on where a, a player or a person in zverev's type of position may stand and and whether what our listener there is, has put to us may have some some validity and jamie said to me it's certainly possible that he's saying as little as possible because lawyers are looking at it and a very conservative lawyer might take the view that he shouldn't say anything at all for fear that he later contradicts himself or changes his story particularly if she presses charges that said, there is no reason why he shouldn't also say more generally that he abhors domestic abuse. If she's not pressing charges, the legal strategy for the person accused can be secondary to the PR strategy. Pursuing a case against her for defamation could be part of that PR strategy. However, it's very risky. I would want to know everything about the case to be confident of advising him. There are significant risks in terms of the difficulties in persuading a court that he didn't do what is alleged. Generally, this comes down to which of the two of them appear more credible, the publicity that would continue to come from it, and the financial costs. So it doesn't wholly tell us. Obviously, Jamie can't know for sure exactly why he's very saying what he's saying, but, but certainly that is a... A consideration um and we we really don't know exactly why he's taken the tack that he has um but uh it, it gives us a little bit more information anyway from the perspective of of how a, a lawyer might approach these kind of things mm. yeah I, I what i i don't maybe this is a very minor thing but i, I think it's 
it's perfectly fine for why couldn't he just have said i i i need to to stick to a pre-prepared statement on this because of legal advice and just read what he had prepared why why the pretense of sort of answering the question off the cuff and sort of shiftily looking down at his phone that mm. that seemed like a pr misfire to me why not just say look i've thought very carefully and consulted people about what i can and can't say and this is what i have to say at this stage and read it out yeah. um but phew. yeah pr seems to be at odds with legality perhaps in terms of advice i don't know who knows what's happening I mean, behind fr- the scenes from, certainly from what i've spoken to jamie about it it they should go hand in hand um mm. and i certainly am i'm certainly surprised by some of the the things that Zverev has said over the last couple of weeks in response to this um but uh that's that's where we are and um and yeah we we don't have any more to bring you at this point as and when we do we will cover them here on the tennis podcast when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you find the one you'll get it delivered right to your door go to bluenile.com and use promo code listen to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more that's code listen at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase bluenile.com code listen Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So... The draws were made. We've had all the other players in as well to the um, to the press conferences today. I mean, I, I I can't say I felt like they were exactly rip roaring material uh, from the from the. <laughs> it's, it's a difficult environment, isn't it? Really, a pre, I mean, a press conference generally is especially a pre a pre tournament press conference. It's difficult to get an awful lot, and when you're doing it via zoom and you get the sense that the players examining what you've got in the back of your room (laughs) while you're asking them a question uh it's even more hey it's your choice if you have the video on (laughs) true and a lot of people are making the wrong choice (laughs) why are you looking at me Catherine? (laughs) no you you don't have the video on and i approve of that choice all right (laughs) i'd say as a general rule if you are driving don't have your video on. <laughs> Somebody did. <laughs> Somebody, Somebody did. did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Or if or if your mannerisms are, are weird on Zoom, t- turn your video off. <laughs> Again, she's looking at me. Um, so, uh, and then I, I am on Zoom video right now. So uh, I'm. What can I say? Illuminated like an influencer. Banged to rights. Um, what about this draw then? We've got the two draws are called Tokyo 1970 
and London 2020. And that marks the 50 years of this season-ending championships on the men's tour. Um, now, uh, Tokyo 1970, I, I imagine, being the first place ever to host the event. Um, and obviously here we are in the final year of London 2020. Um, Tokyo 1970 has got the following four players. Novak Djokovic, Daniel Medvedev, uh, Alexander Zverev and Diego Schwartzman. And they are going to play in the round-robin system starting on Monday. In London 2020, you've got Nadal, uh, Dominic Thiem, Stefano Tsitsipas, who's the defending champion, and Andre Rublev, who's uh, a debutante, isn't he, at this, uh, at this tournament. What are your thoughts, Matt? Well, I think overarching thought is that they're quite even groups. I don't see a so-called group of death or anything like that. I think even just looking at them generationally, they're quite even. They've both got an established old guard in Djokovic and Nadal, then... I don't know, in tennis terms, a kind of middle-aged person in team and Schwartzman. And then you've got a couple of God. a couple of younger players um, in each group as well. So I think they're quite even from that standpoint. Um, Match-up-wise, the uh, London group stands out to be more. There are probably just more players in that who I think match up more interestingly against each other in terms of the styles. I mean, straight away, we've got the first match of this year's competition is the last match of the 2019 edition, which is team against Sitsipas. And that was a fantastic final. And I like the way they play against each other. Um, but I, what I would say is that the Tokyo group has a lot of informed players in it and good, good players on indoor, indoor hard courts. Ferev's shown that Medvedev, Djokovic. So, I think I think they're fairly balanced. I do feel a little bit for Diego Schwartzman. He made the rookie mistake, I think, and answered the question, what is your preferred group? <laughs> and he has the complete opposite to what he said. He said he wanted <laughs> Nadal, team and Sitsapas, and he's got Djokovic, <laughs> Medford, Evans, Zverev. <laughs> oh, Diego. Um, and he didn't get his dinner. And they stitched him right <laughs> up with the official tournament photo. <laughs> Yes. How so? Well, they do one of those ones where the players are in a V formation with the higher ranked players at the front and the lower ranked players at the back. And obviously Diego Schwartzman is uh, is the, the, the lowest ranked player here. So he's at the back of the formation. Um, but the, the trick of perspective is supposed to make it look like they get they get they get bigger as they go back and they do get bigger as they go back until it goes to Diego Schwartzman. who looks like, looks like take your son to work day for, for <laughs> I mean, the other seven. He, he's a foot shorter than, than Alexander Zverev as it is. And they've stuck him about 20 <laughs> feet behind him. <laughs> so it's not fair. Uh, but anyway, you know, as you say, rankings dominate, it would appear. Um, what do you think of the groups, Catherine? Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, in, it, instantly my eye was caught by the the London 2020 group. That's the one where the matchups I find really, really mouthwatering. I did feel a bit for Diego, Diego Schwartzman, bless him. But then looking up the the head to heads in the uh, Tokyo 1970 group, they're kind of more more appetising than I than I thought. You know, Zverev and, and Djokovic have quite an interesting head to head against against one another. Okay, maybe not so much uh, Schwartzman and, and Djokovic, but you know, Sitsipas, Medvedev, uh, not Sitsipas, Zverev, Medvedev. Rather, obviously, that's a that's a rematch of Paris last week. It's it's broadly. Good, I think it's one of the it's one of the better draws. I mean, how exciting can a round robin two two group draw be? Um, you know, it's it's eight players, it's two groups. But I think, you know, on the scale of how excited I could get about a, a draw of eight players and two groups, I, this is at the higher higher end of it. It's it's a good one, I think. I have to say I felt the the writing was on the wall a little bit for the press conferences when the first person in was Rafael Nadal and the moment he sat down, he did the biggest yawn. 
that I've seen in a while. Uh, and uh, of course, he he's arrived from Paris himself. He played the indoor tournament there, and uh, I think he arrived pretty late at night the other the other day. And you know, it it almost feels like players are getting sort of smuggled in uh, to uh, to mm. this arena under uh, shield of darkness. Um, but you know, he seemed in pretty good spirits once once he got past the yawn. Um, and I'm still, I mean, I'm, I suppose I'm still slightly trying to get my head around what has inspired him to play really at this time of year given he's won the french open he's got an off season there's there's a lot to worry about at the moment you know and he's spoken a lot about it but he he must really really want this well he said in his spanish portion of the press conference he was he was asked that specific question why why are you playing when you've got to go to australia quite early and I think maybe that journalist was thinking along the same lines that we were thinking a few weeks ago that he might take a break now and Nadal said I just need competition because otherwise it would be too long a gap between Roland Garros and the Australian Open of nothing and he was he was quite he was quite forthright about just needing matches wanting reps I think the ATP finals is good in that respect from a round robin perspective it guarantees him three matches against top 10 players and it sounds like he's both thinking kind of short term and thinking maybe he has a chance of winning this tournament. He he was quite bullish that he thinks he's probably playing better on indoor courts than he ever has in his career, noticing that it's still his weakest surface, but at the same time also thinking long term and actually thinking getting some competition in like he did in Paris and here might actually help him for the Australian Open and that swing at the start of next season. So I think he's thinking about it quite logically in that in that sense. Um, he actually said that he thought he came into London last year with his best ever chance of winning the tournament, which kind of goes against how he played in that first match. I mean, he was really off his game, wasn't he, against, against Zverev? Um, but he said it was more complicated by the fact that he knew he had the Davis Cup afterwards and just didn't quite know how to pace himself, perhaps. But now I think he's just got this this focus on this week. And I do think Nadal's capable of playing well on indoor hard. There's been a lot of circumstances in the past which have conspired against him in terms of it coming at the end of the season when he's not fresh. But he is fresh now and he's got different ways to win uh, he's got more variety in his game possibly than ever and I think he can he can use that but it is interesting to see him transition from clay which is his best surface to indoor hard which is probably his worst surface we've never really seen that before well we've never seen that so you go from a player who's in total control of everything at Roland Garros to I think the thing about indoor tennis is controls kind of taken away from Nadal a little bit and you have to see him adapt to it a little bit more so it's a really fascinating fascinating switch and transition that he's going through and uh, I, I just think Nadal is going to be so interesting to watch this week mm. I've got a feeling he could be really dangerous actually um, I definitely think he'll Oh, I've just stopped myself there. I was just going to very confidently say, I definitely think he'll come through that group. Then I stopped and thought about who's in the group. But yeah, I've, I've got a really good feeling about him. If he can, if he can maintain circulation to his lower limbs, then uh, I think I think he could play some good tennis. That is a reference to how tight his shorts are. <laughs> if anybody's confused, they are very tight. Uh. And, very, and, very no, tight. And, and nobody's going with him, are they? You know, usually, well, yeah. When you when you start something like that, I mean, I'm still I st- I'm old enough to remember the the eighties when people used to have them a that short and twice or rather that tight and twice as short. So they were it was like they were wearing their boxers. Um, but the usually the trends, somebody starts a trend like that, and everybody goes with them. You know, Nadal's a bit of a trendsetter, but nobody's going with those shorts, are they? <laughs> Did anyone go with the pirate shorts, apart from Matt Roberts, though? John McEnroe, John McEnroe. Matt Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> what, what a gang. <laughs> I mean, mind you, the, the, the sleeveless shirts took off for a while, didn't they? Um, but, you know, they've died out. 
But you know, the moment that knee-length shorts came in and Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi were really the first ones to do those. Yeah, everyone was on board, weren't People they? People have been wearing those for 25 years since that. Yeah. I mean, I th- do think circulation is important. I, I think yeah. that is problematic for this particular trend. The The second of the official photos is we think it's a photoshopped one because the players are all sat close together and... Uh, <laughs> They all look like they've been given slightly different briefs about what the photo <laughs> is supposed to look like. <laughs> Not sure what brief Sitsipas has been given. <laughs> but but he's sort of astride. He's he's sort of he's got his legs sort of hitched up and his racket in a really suggestive position. Not sh- not sure what's going on. Anyway, uh, Nadal Nadal is sitting down and sort of leaning forward pensively. And in the sitting down position, (laughs) those shorts look really, really problematic to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There we are. So (laughs) you've had your your short analysis to go with uh, everything else. So you've said Nadal looks dangerous, Catherine. And you nearly oh, put not him based in... on his. I mean, I've not seen him play tennis. <laughs> I know, but you I'm nearly just... put him in your semi-finals. Yes. So, who is in your semi-finals? Oh, I haven't got. I stopped myself. Go to Matt. No, no. All right, Matt. <laughs> who, 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 who's your top two in each group? I, I really should have anticipated this question because, especially given I'm presenting, I knew you were presenting. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I, I haven't thought about it. Um, I think Get I'll I think I'll go Nadal and Sitsipas. I think Rublev's the kind of wild card in this tournament. Can he can he translate his numerous wins at ATP two fifty and five hundred level and just continue on this confidence wave against the best players in the world? That's where he's come unstuck this year, losing who is it, Zverev, Sitsipas and Medvedev at the slams. So he hasn't quite been able to do that. So I I think if he can do that, he's probably the player most informed and most confident. But I will go on his record this year and think he might not be able to quite raise it enough. Um, nobody asked team how his foot was. Mm. I had my hand virtually up for most of the press conference, hoping to ask him how his foot was and uh, wasn't selected, unfortunately. Because he should have was... tried to catch people's attention by popping your video on and doing something <laughs> weird. Because <laughs> he he was do, very much doing the um very much looked bothered by that in that f- match in Vienna, didn't he? Mm. Mm. Yeah, really Definitely. hampered. Um, so if that is still any kind of problem, I would worry for him. Where Sitsipas has had an injury as well, uh, I think a leg problem since Roland Garros, but he was quite confident that it had pretty much gone away. He said, "I'm close to a hundred percent. I'm not really thinking about it." Dominic Teams was too busy to talk about his foot injury talking about how despite being middle-aged according to matt roberts uh he intends to play three olympics yeah in that his was career really interesting if i mean we've got quite the history with dominic team with Catherine's outrage at his lack of interest in playing the olympics he's heard me years. and he's trying to make up for it um and and it was really interesting because i i i he, he's the way he sort of delivered it was as if you know I've you you know I've come to this conclusion. Whereas I'm sitting there thinking I have never heard him say <laughs> that he wants to play the Olympics before, um, and he's saying that in 2016 he watched some of those matches when he didn't play and he really really wanted to to be part of it. And we're oh, all thinking, well, FOMO. hold on, you know, yeah. But then at the same time you're thinking, well, hold on, you picked Kitzbühel over. Blooming Olympics this year, if they'd have both been played, and he, I, th- I think that that was a specific reason, though. I think, I mean, he was the defending champion, wasn't he, for Kitzbühel? And I think there was he's some always sort of... going to be defending champion at Kitzbühel. <laughs> Kitz, <laughs> I think there was some Kitz, sort of anniversary Kitzbühel. as well. But I mean, but I mean, look, he he was very clear that in if the Olympics takes place in 2021, he intends to play it, and he said, "I feel like I've got lucky, really, in my circle, in as much as." Now I can play it, you know, and and he Aww. said he, he said if I get lucky in the future, if, basically if my body lasts long enough, I, I hope maybe I can play three Olympics. So we're talking Aww, about another nine that. years. And what's he? Twenty eight. Caught the Olympics like bug. 
Yeah, well, it's, it is it is nice to hear. And and you made the point that, and we we talked uh, in the Olympics relived show to Nicholas Masu, his his uh, coach, and and Catherine, you interviewed him and and asked him directly do you intend yeah. to change dominic team's mind about the olympics given that you have had the greatest moments of your life on a court and and he wasn't really budging was he but it seems to have got through catherine you did the trick yes it's all me you're welcome dominic if he ever wins a gold medal now i want i want sort of an honorary little gold medal <laughs> so catherine i'll get myself uh, a medal somehow matt's got matt's decided to ditch team from his semi-finals he's got Nadal and Tsitsipas coming through the London 2020 group who've you got well I've I I can't not say Nadal now because that would be discrediting myself in the space of 10 minutes so I shall say Nadal um I'm going to discount well not discount but team is an unknown quantity for me um, because of the foot. Last time we saw him, he looked very hampered. So then it's it's the Sitsipas Rublev toss up, and it's that's exactly as Matt described. Do you pick Rublev to kind of break his big player duck at this tournament? Um, do I pick him to do that? Probably not. I'm going to go Sitsipas and uh, Nadal as well. That's why I asked Matt to go first. Yeah. I'm afraid I'm very boring as well because I'm going for exactly the same. I'm going to go for Djokovic and Medvedev from the uh, Tokyo group. What about you? Yes. Yep, same. I like, I like that pick. <laughs> mm, same. Oh. Sorry. Where, where are the arguments coming from? This is rubbish. <laughs> but, you know, we can only get, say what we think, folks. I mean... Well, we'll, we'll look... Uh, I mean... I'm not saying Diego Schwartzman has no chance. I give him a, a a better chance than a lot of eighth place qualifiers that we've had at this tournament in in previous years. Last year, I'd, I I can't remember exactly what I said, but I don't think I'd have been bigging up Matteo Berrettini's chances too much. You know, we've had who have we had? We've had sort of David Goffin come in. Um, yeah, Jack but, you Sock. Know, Jack, although Jack Sock played really well didn't he um yeah look I I rate his chances are higher than than those folk um but I you know I still think he's he he's he's definitely I I doubt anybody's favorite to, to to come through that group I doubt many people are picking him to do so so and I think you're assuming most people are picking Djokovic which why wouldn't you be frankly you're looking at a toss-up between Medvedev and Zverev and and that could be very close but our most recent evidence to go on is a match very very recently so why wouldn't you go with the winner of that match which was which was Medvedev Mm, I think Zverev actually dominates that head-to-head but crucially Mm. Medvedev has won their two really important matches the final of Shanghai Mm. and the final of Paris I just think when it really matters he can raise his game a little bit more and that matchup maybe suits him. Um, Djokovic... And I think Medvedev's... Sorry, Matt. I think Medvedev's got the bit between his teeth now. Mm. I think he's got a bit of a point to prove both in terms of this year and in terms of this tournament because he was so disappointing here last year. Um, so, I, yeah, I think Medvedev could be a bit of a bit of a man on the mission. Yeah, I think, I think he almost sees this as a bit of a full circle moment getting back to this tournament and almost a shot at redemption to do Mm. better than he did last year. And he he was talking today about how this tournament kind of messed up his preparations for this season because it confused him in terms of the off-season. He'd never played this late into a season before and he didn't get going this season quite as well as we perhaps thought he might based on how well he'd played in 2019. And now he's back here and he's just got a chance to find his groove again and, yeah, just prove himself, I think, at this tournament. Djokovic is interesting because clearly the conditions suit him very favourably here. I mean, he absolutely dominated it. What, he won four in a row. But he's actually not won it since 2015. And it's not like he's played poorly since then. I mean, he's won seven slams since he last won the O two. 
So something's happening at the end of this season where he's not quite he's not quite delivering his best tennis at this tournament over the last few years. And I don't know the reason for that. I I, I think potentially waning motivation. I do think there's a chance that this year he's not quite had the post-lockdown results that he would have wanted. And I think perhaps winning this tournament, there is a bit more fire this week because he maybe feels like his season needs it. If he's if you told him at the start of this year he would only win one slam and not the Masters, I think he would probably think that's kind of an average, if not slightly below average season, considering the standards he operates at. I think more than the last few years, this tournament is a little bit more important for Djokovic now, just as a one-off trophy in itself. Um, so I, I'm, I'm expecting him to play well. But by the same token, I do think the fact that he's already secured that year-end mm. year number one does risk him taking his foot off the pedal. He was asked about that. That was one of the first questions in his press conference. And he did say, yeah, that does take the pressure off me immensely. I mean, if, if, if the year-end number one was on the line which, look, I know it was last year and he didn't didn't win it. Um, but if the year-end number one was on the line, I would be picking him hands down to win this title. Um, I just think his desire and drive for that for that record is, is such that he his, the defiance would just come out. I, I do think the fact that that's already in the bag takes a bit of an edge off him, potentially. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a... There's a- possibility he may get deep into the trenches of a match or and just not be able to quite have the stomach for it the way he would when everything relies on it you know um but we'll find out i mean i i i agree with you matt about the waning motivation relatively speaking not that he doesn't want to win these things but just how much have you got to give every single time and uh but then it is counterbalanced perhaps by a little bit more left in the tank with the the curtailed year so we'll we'll find out um we've got uh, an order of play uh for uh sunday just just to tell you about those singles matches we've got team against sitsapas is the first uh singles match on sunday afternoon nadal against rublev is the evening match on monday djokovic against schwartzman is the afternoon one and then zverev against dano medvedev in the evening the um the doubles groups have been drawn i've just seen and uh, we were keeping an eye on that today because uh of jamie murray and neil skupski trying to get there into that eight team group um of players that qualify for the year-end championships and they were just edged out by the uh, the duo of jürgen Meltzer and eduard roger vasalan who um who got to the final of sofia and by doing so they managed to ensure that they qualified for london and they they promptly pulled out of the uh, the final so uh, murray and scupsy are going to uh, win that title it's a real two fingers up to marian Skowski, that isn't it <laughs> not only are we going to london you can stay here because yeah, we're, we're off going now. now yeah we're not even going to play you um yeah, and i really so feel for them oh. the the draw has been made and, and quite a nice touch actually the two draws have been named one each after the brian brothers so group oh. bob brian is uh, going to feature the top seeds, Mate Pavic and Bruno Suarez. Then it's uh, Marcel Granoyas and Horacio Zabayas. The sixth seeds, John Piers and Michael Venus, and Jürgen Meltzer and uh, Eduard Roger Vasselin. Then the other group, the Mike Bryan group, is Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury. So a bit of British interest there for us. Uh, Kevin Kravietz and Andreas Mies. Uh, Wesley Kulhoff and Nikola Mektic, and then the eighth seeds, Lukas Kubot and Marcelo Mello. So those are your groups. I really like that touch about naming the groups after a Brian brother. Mm. Yeah. Each. We've it's never had nice. quite that um, set up, have we? And it, and it mm. is nice. They they deserve that. And, and of course, mm. they were hoping to, to play the full year this year, and they were unable to do so and, and retire with a sort of lap of honour the way that they would have been able to but uh, the pandemic obviously intervened in a way that it's done so many times um just a, a note on Denis Shapovalov folks because Catherine's eyes are wide she wants to know what I'm going to say here uh, but what I'm going to say have you got is, into a twitter spat again <laughs> no <laughs> I've, st- I've stayed out of his face uh, this time Catherine but what he has done 
is he has broken a racket as spectacularly as you could possibly break one. He lost in straight sets to Radu Albot in the first round in Sofia. And I mean, it's been quite clear for a while that Denis Shapovalov is pretty much at the end of his tether. Uh, and he, he threw one halfway through the match. And then upon losing the match, he just launched his racket into the into the ground and it bounced up into the air and then and then and then dropped and it was so spectacular that the BBC Sport website that was taking absolutely no notice of the Sofia tournament whatsoever um, carved up this little racket smash combo into a montage in which they replayed it three times getting increasingly close up in the uh, in the focusing on the racket with each one to put to the point at the end when you saw Shapovalov actually try to pick up the racket, he had to almost tug it out of the ground because he, he <laughs> oh dented God. the court a little bit and the, and the racket had slightly just stuck in the court. Oh, my goodness. He'd done it so violently. Um, and that sort of brought to an end his autumn season, really, well, didn't his it? his season season. Well, yeah. I believe he's gone to London as an alternate. Has he? Has he? Yeah. Him and Berrettini he, have rocked up. They're going to have a weird time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think Monfils didn't want to go. I think he might be they, a bit oh, injured I anyway. Mean, fair enough. Yeah. And Berrettini and Shapovalov, I believe, are the two alternates. Um, he, I mean, it's, he is it's not, not in a headspace to be an alternate today, in a bubble. But I've, I've enjoyed today because it's one day. Um, you know, I'm very much looking forward to the tennis starting and working and... I mean, good God! <laughs> someone, someone, send them a mental health professional. Oh dear! Um, that is mm. a concern. I sort of, I don't know. I sort of naively assume they might not be bothering with alternates this year. But hey, there's <laughs> two of them apparently. Oh, Paul Berrettini! Paul Berrettini. He was he was a non-alternate last year, and he was remember how chuffed he was. And now he's here just... Watching Lorraine. <laughs> Practice partner. Watching Lorraine. <laughs> having, having three yeah. courses from the room service. From... Yeah, with the same bloke delivering it every time. He's <laughs> really get... perfected his I'm not judging you face. He's <laughs> working long hours. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Right, so there we are. It all gets underway on Sunday uh, at uh, at midday with the first of the doubles, and, uh, yes, and Catherine I think, will be there. Yes, I think we're on air just before the doubles, uh, with the studio with studios covering the doubles, all the doubles and all the singles. So we'll be there. Yeah, we're going to be watching. We're going to be watching every moment Catherine's on air, and then we're like, right at the end of it, right, Catherine, come on, let's do and do a podcast now. And she'll be like, well, some of us have been doing twelve hours work. What have you been doing? <laughs> Fair well, point. Yeah, and you'll say, I blooming well got you in at the Dun Putney Dental Emporium at ten a.m. Correct on Wednesday. Yeah. Exactly. I'm good for something. Uh, so there we are. <laughs> I can't wait for it all. Matt, have we got any shout outs? Yes, we do today. Uh, shout out to Ryan Riley. Thank Hello, you, Ryan, Ryan, for your Great backing. Name. To Shilpa Ram. Oh, uh, relative of Rajiv? <laughs> Unconfirmed. Okay. Hello, Shilpa. Hi, Let Shilpa. Us know. Thanks. Thanks for your support. And to Vic Victoria Kearns. Victoria. Vic Victoria or Victoria? Well, I've written Vic slash Victoria because Ooh. this was one who came up anonymously on Kickstarter, but helpfully got in touch with us so that I could search for their name. And she signed her emails Vic, but she's Victoria in other places. So I wasn't sure what to go with. So I'm go I've gone with a slightly confused and awkward Vic Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Hello, Vic Victoria. Yeah. So you've got two shout-outs. Hey. Well done, you. Well, well in, indeed. And thank you very much for all of your support. And the reason we're giving those shout-outs is because all three of those listeners contributed to our Kickstarter last year to help us run this thing. We've, we're up to 132 editions of the Tennis Podcast for the year. And uh, 
Catherine's got that got that sort of yeah, and it feels like it look about her at the moment. Uh, no. no, you've misinterpreted my my facial expression. Have I? I've been doing that for the last thirteen years, and um, yeah. So you're, basically, we're we're we're, we're going to carry on. We're going to do another daily one every every day of this uh, tournament at the ATP Finals, and we got our Kickstarter passed today. I, I'd entered it a few days ago, and they didn't like the look of me, and they said, "Well, we're going to have to put that under review." Um, and uh, now they've they've given me the green light, so uh, yeah, we can hopefully run for another year, Catherine, if people uh, pitch in. David didn't take that rejection very well <laughs> at the time. It was a big relief today that green light. <laughs> it certainly was. So yeah, we've 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 thought up all sorts of um, new categories and uh, and things like that for you to to get involved with if you'd like to. And uh, thanks to everybody that supported us at the start of this year. Um, if you want a reminder for when we go live with the new one, we're going to be going live on December the first, which I think is a Tuesday. Uh, if you go down and ash in your show notes just now, you can sign up for an email reminder on that day when we go live with it, and uh, you'll be at the front of the queue then for any of the rewards that you might want to, to get involved with. So thanks to everybody, and uh, to all those who have introed the show, to the shout-outs, and we will be back on Sunday with a new show. Can't wait, Catherine. And, uh, Me yeah. neither. We get to watch you on the telly first. So tune into Prime Video Sport if you're in the UK and you want to see Catherine present television brilliantly from the O2 With a full set of teeth. Yes. (laughs) Thanks to me. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 